Well, hello, church. Uh, Feliz Navidad a, a todos. It never gets old, the look of disappointment in your eyes every time, every time you don't see Pastor J.D. preaching. It's all right. I'll get over it. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, thinking like uh, in a, sort of in a Will Ferrell kind of way, on the third week of Christmas, you got the Latino pastor to preach. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Uh, my name is Riddell, and uh, we have been on a Christmas series uh, where we're looking very closely to the promise that, that God made about descending to save the humanity that he created yet rebelled against them. And we're looking at the promise literally word by word. And so uh, the promise is found in Isaiah chapter 9, if you would turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 9, and the word of God says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. I love how the King James Version says, the, the, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so today we're going to, to hone in on the part of the prophecy where God calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. And I, I couldn't help to notice how fond our culture still is on this concept of prince and princesses. It's amazing to me. In fact, a lot of the top-selling games in the app store have to do with kingdoms and, and dominions and this concept of prince and, and thrones and a ruler, games like Clash of Clans and games like Clash Royale and many others that I keep seeing my kids play. And the way I find out is because when I go to the bank statement, I see a charge <laughs> from Apple and I'm like, oh, Clash Royale, what is my wife listening to now? Sounds romantic. And then it's, no, she wasn't thinking of you, it's the kids. Um, and also, if you notice, so many of our fairy tales and our, our kids' movies, they're built around this, this big ideas of, of prince and princess. And we see it in our little ones, right? They, 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 they love those, those plastic swords that they tear up the walls with. And, and they, they get the swords and they put a crown on and, and, and then they try to slay the bad guys. And they try to restore and ensure peace and prosperity in the living room. And it's just hilarious. It's awesome. And how about the little girls dressing up as, as, as princesses? It's, it's just adorable. The, the shoes, the, the crown, the tiara, pretending to have control and stability as queens and dominion overall. And they, those girls, they become our wives and they still rule us. And... <laughs> They take our plastic swords away, the little credit card things, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, yeah, God bless them. Um, so, so this idea of, of prince and kingdoms is not so foreign to us, and even as adults, to be honest with you. We hear of, of Prince Harry dating an American girl, finally. <laughs> and we get all excited about it, and, 
and, and this girl has a strong African heritage and, and Latin flavor. And I'm like, man, it was about time somebody put some flavor in that boring castle. Praise the Lord. You know, they're going to finally learn how to dance. <laughs> and we can't wait for that wedding. And, and the world is going to stop when, when they play that royal wedding on TV. Because you see, there's something in us deep down as, as the image barriers of of God, there's something really deep down that, that appeals to us about, about these stories, about these themes of, of, of kingdoms and, and marriage. And they awaken hope in us in a way that nothing else does. And the reason for that is this. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, came into human history to take for himself a bride called the church, you and I. To take us out of our spiritual poverty. To take us out of our mortal end. To an everlasting feast and party with him forever. For the chief end of men is to worship God and enjoy him forever. And this prince not only came once to destroy sin and death, but it's coming again to put the final blow on it. And so Isaiah 9 talks about this king, and he, he says he's the, the prince of peace. So let's first look at the fact that, that Jesus is prince. We'll look at Jesus as, as prince. We'll look at Jesus as peace. And then we'll look at Jesus as the Prince of Peace of our lives. And I know this sounds initially offensive to us, right? This idea of Prince over us. It sounds offensive to us, to our egos, because we want to be king of our lives. But the reality is that there's only one capable counselor and mighty God, an everlasting father that is actually king and humanity's problem has always been a, a kingship and lordship problem as we hate to submit to the fact that we are lousy kings of our lives and lousy kings of this world. Just, just look at it. Just look at this world. It's a mess. We desire world peace. We desire that forever and we cannot deliver it. And it seems to get worse every year, not better. So it is good news that Jesus is prince. And I'm not talking about some figurehead that just sits around in fancy clothing pretending to rule. I'm talking about someone that really has power. He is almighty. Bible says the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. He stands in the solitude and sufficiency of himself. He's the wellspring of all power and wisdom. He does not need us. Your opinion does not affect him at all. And the miracle is that he loves us. The reason the kingdom of God is called the kingdom of God is because a kingdom is the extent of the rule of a king. A kingdom is the extent of the rule of a king. It was prophesied in, in Genesis 49.10 that Jesus would rule with a king's scepter, true kingship authority. Here in Isaiah, 
He's called the Prince of Priests. In John 12, we read of Jesus as a humble king with Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. That just blows my mind. What king do you know that is humble? Or, or to put it this way, would you really say that any of our current world leaders or national leaders for that matter, would you say that they're characterized by humility? None but Jesus. When his enemies pressed a crown of thorns into his head, they were in fact revealing the truth. And of course, he deserved a crown of gold because he obeyed God 100%, yet he decided to take my thorns. But he was still crowned. And, and, and though Pilate wrote up a note for Jesus in a spirit of mocking that hung above Jesus as he was being crucified, it still read king on it. And following his resurrection and ascension to heaven, Jesus is revealed throughout Revelation to be seated upon a throne, ruling and reigning, a sovereign Lord of all creation, of all peoples, and all times and places. And in Revelation alone, Jesus is mentioned as sitting on the throne at least 45 times. So by placing the throne of Jesus Christ in the center of creation and history... God is displacing humanity from the position we normally occupy, but is not ours. There's nothing as ridiculous and as bad as trying to do or be someone you're not designed to be. Now, I, I know I look like a tractor tire, and that's all right. When I bend down, I roll. It's okay. Uh, but I am incapable of serving in that capacity. It will kill me to take the place of a car tire. It's not my design. Well, it too will kill you to be the king of your life, to be the prince of your days and your decisions. In other words, with the promise of Jesus here in Isaiah 9, God is correcting the order and position of our worship from ourselves and creation to someone that is actually capable of ruling with justice and love. He reverses the object of our worship to one that will actually satisfy us, namely the Prince of Peace, Jesus. You see, you and I have bought the lie that worshiping that which exalts ourselves will satisfy us. But reality is that we are left with more, more thirst than we began with. You and I deep down think that something is going to fix our lives. We think that if we just get married or just have that child or just get that promotion, or just get out of this bad marriage that I'm in right now, or whatever, that then we'll be happy. And then what happens? Either we don't get it and are miserable, or we do get it and we're not satisfied. It looks so promising, but when you take a bite, it's so empty. It reminds you of the Garden of Eve. Adam and Eve. But as we humble ourselves to our desperate need of God, it is, it is there in 
peace with God through the Prince of Peace that we finally arrive. And I wish I knew words in, in a language that I could express to you what it feels like. But it feels like you arrive. And we finally, in God, feel complete and, and we feel whole and we feel tranquil and we feel satisfied. In Christ, there is no more pretending. In Christ, there's no more running. In Christ, there's no more chasing, no more having to keep an image that's a lie. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous, but a gift for the guilty. Can we just admit we are guilty? In Christ, you no longer have to pretend a false innocence, but rather admit your rebellion and run to him. And you know what else? In Christ, there is no more hoping in vain. Listen, I know that some of you have stopped hoping because you're tired of being disappointed over and over again. I know what that's like. So, so your mechanism to not be crushed again your mechanism to not be crushed nor disappointed again is to not hope again. And can we be honest? No season makes us more cynical than Christmas. Because on the surface, it's all about good cheer and, and happiness. But if we're hurting, we look around and think, this is all a lie. It's a lie. How can I possibly enjoy a season like this with my life in the shape that it is? Because perhaps you lost someone around this time. Yesterday on my way here, I heard from one of my best friends that his mom died unexpectedly. A lot of sad things happened during this time. Maybe you can't get pregnant or but maybe you just broke financially and you worked so hard. And that's what people don't get. You worked so hard and you still broke. And I've been there. I've been there in the $5 an hour warehouses during Christmas time working like a dog and, and I'm broke. And it's not because I'm not working. And I know something else too. I know what it's like to be 11 years, 11 Christmases without my dad. And in my case, not because he was a bad dad, but because he was unjustly put in jail being an innocent man and was taken from me at an age that I needed him so, so much. And that's why I don't like to bring my wedding pictures out when you come to my house because mom is there, my wife is there, her parents are there, but dad is not there. And people sadly assume, oh, maybe he, he left you all. Maybe he left your mom. And No. No. And for those of you who think that innocent people don't go to jail, come on. You haven't read Paul's letters in the Bible. People get jailed for preaching the gospel all the time, every week, all around the world. And it was not a day or two. It was 11 years, 11 Christmases without that. 
So I know this season can be painful. And you don't want to hope. You don't want to hope because you don't want to get disappointed again. But listen, I'm not asking you to trust humans. Stop trusting for what mere humans can do for you. I'm asking you to hope on the Lord of hosts. I'm asking you to embrace the Prince of Peace. He always fulfills his promises. Stop banking on the promises of people and stand on the promises of God. I know my Redeemer lives. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged and the hurting and beautifies the meek. He takes the lowly and despises and raises them up to shame the proud. Standing God, he is the prince of peace. And in him we always make it. In him we always make it. He fights for you and he's growing you. And Jeremiah 20 says that he fights for you like a mighty giant. And now, here's, here's the beauty. Now in him, in the arms of the prince, you know what? It becomes irrelevant whether tomorrow in life you face, prosper, you face prosperity or adversity. Doesn't even matter. For I am in and with the prince of peace. That is so much freedom that it doesn't matter to me. What happens tomorrow? It doesn't matter to me if I get a raise or if I get fired. As long as I am in and with the Prince of Peace. Such freedom. It's such freedom. It's such hope. And now hope does have a name. And this is the difference between the world's idea of hope and the Christian's idea of hope. For the world, hope is just wishful thinking. It's Positivism, you know, positivity. For the Christian, hope has a name. It's concrete. It's real. It literally came into this world. And because he came into this world, we know he can come through in our moments of difficulty. He's done it before. He'll do it again. So we embrace the hand that we've been dealt in life, whatever it may be, because I am safe and secure in the Prince of Peace I'm no longer worried about adversity or prosperity because at the end of the day, I can sin. I don't know about you, but I can sin with either. If I have adversity, I have a tendency to blame God. If I have prosperity, I have a tendency to be apathetic for God and his mission. So I'm no longer worried about what I'm getting tomorrow. I'm just worried about trusting he who gave me life and eternal promise in paradise with him forever. For Christ is the stability of our days. So Jesus is seated at the throne, and what rest is this for us to know that he is seated at the throne as prince? So until our last breath, God's people are to wait patiently and serve diligently. In this life, we are to suffer courageously and serve humbly like Jesus did during his incarnation. Because, because all will be made right in due time when the prince Returns, And that's why the very next verse on that promise says this. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, when you try to be king of your life, prince of your life, that's, that's when you get in trouble. Because sheep don't know any better. So that's Christ as prince. He's stable. He's victorious. He's unshakable. Let me show you real quick Christ as peace. And there's some profound truth here. A land and a people can only be as peaceful as their prince. A land cannot be more peaceful than its ruler. The ruler dictates the climate. The decisions of a prince will make or break the kingdom. So it's no coincidence that that you and I long for a stable, powerful, everlasting place where peace reigns and that God calls Jesus those very same things. Mighty, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So God has come to birth bringing the realities of our future in him by who he is and what he's done. So Isaiah reveals that it is the work of the Lord that which brings peace. Read it with me here. It's in Isaiah. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. The work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And this is something probably worth writing down, that peace is tied to righteousness. Peace is tied to righteousness. (laughs) And the reason we cannot attain peace on our own is because humanity is not righteous at all apart from Christ. You can try all you want, it ain't going to happen. And I don't stand up here as someone who has it all together looking down and preaching down on sinners. No. The only reason I don't drop dead behind this pulpit while reading God's holy word is because of the righteousness of Jesus attributed to me as a gift by grace through faith and repentance. You see, I see myself a lot of times like Urias who carried a death sentence in the form of a letter on his hand. The only difference between me and Uriah, the only reason why I don't drop dead reading this holy word is because Christ died in my place. The biggest piece of evidence I have that humanity can't be righteous apart from Christ is my own heart. I don't have to look far. The Prince of Peace God's talking about here is the Prince, Prince of Shalom. It's a word that's not used commonly. But shalom is not merely sitting by a quiet river. The concept of true peace of shalom is the concept of of wholeness and completeness. Things as they should be. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of something better in its place. Something better than lack of conflict. That is, that is so key to understand. You see, this is why when you tell a friend that, that, that has gotten on your nerves or when you tell your kids to shut up, 
because you're, you're trying to end a conflict. This is why when they shut up, the, the, the silence or lack of conflict still feels bad. They may be quiet, but there is brokenness. Why? Because there is no restoration. There is nothing that's actually better than lack of conflict. So lack of conflict is not true shalom. It leaves you not complete, not whole, lacking. That's why inanimate lack of conflict type people can be as bad in a relationship than people of conflict. I have counseled people, various people, who broke up with someone because the person was too conflictive, too passionate, yelled a lot. And a year later, I've counseled the same person because now this guy is inanimate. He's a pastor, he just doesn't say anything. He just sit there, yeah, honey. He doesn't have fire, I need some fire in this boy. I'm like, wait a minute. The other one had a lot of fire and you broke up with him. This one doesn't have enough fire and, and then so you're gonna break up with him. Peace is not lack of conflict. There is no conflict, but something is missing that does not give you peace, wholeness, completeness, even if there is no yelling in the relationship. The word shalom in the past, I learned this preparing for this message. The word shalom in the past was used for a perfect stone that had no cracks. I love that. A perfect stone that had no cracks. And for, it was also used for a perfect wall that had no gaps. So a city and people with such stones and walls could live in shalom, in completeness and wholeness, full protection, security, and peace. No cracks, no gaps. So when something cracks in your life, when, when your wicked heart, when sin creates gaps, you're in need of shalom, which by the way, shalom as a verb literally means to restore to make complete. But we cannot attain that peace and that state of completeness on our own because humanity, us, we're full of cracks and gaps. The broken self cannot help itself. I don't just need someone to come and fix the mess everyone around me has made. I need someone to come fix me. I don't need to turn over a new leaf. I need the power of a new life. And that's why it's such amazing news that the Prince of Peace came down to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. To shalom us, hallelujah. To restore and complete us. For he is perfect shalom. He is perfect peace. In fact, he is the Prince of Peace, hallelujah. And that is the miracle of Christmas. The fact that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Prince of Peace. Jesus is the arrival of shalom. He made peace for the cracks and gaps between us and a holy God. He alone restores us to wholeness and completeness with our maker. So listen. He filled the cracks and gaps in our lives by absorbing the cracks and gaps unto himself. He was so committed to restoring wholeness to us that he would become broken in our place. He took the brokenness and he offers us wholeness. 
He took the war into his body and he offers us peace. This is a violent, violent world that we live in. It, it honestly saddens me. I kid you not, it saddens me. No matter what you put on TV, whether it's a reality TV show, there's always drama and anger. Even at construction, even, even in an HGTV thing, you have to see why this person got mad because, you know, they couldn't fit the budget. Or because they found mice behind a 40-year-old wall. What are you going to find? Gold? And so we, we are beholding all this anger, and it saddens me how much violence there is. And we won't find shalom unless we completely surrender and behold Jesus. Listen, you have to be very careful in this day and age because you become what you behold. You become what you behold. And I know that what I'm about to say is really hard to hear, but it would be cruel of me not to tell you the truth that will set you free. And I beg you in the name of Jesus to listen to it with love and disposition. You want to know why some of you are full of pride that is easily angered when you're confronted with the truth? Because you behold you. You behold you as if you were a prince, as if you were a humble king. You are not. You only look alive through the lens of self. And I say this in love. You can't have peace and do as you please. Grow up in the Lord. And we treat our criterias and opinions and conclusions as if they were the word of God. They're not. And it takes a real prince, a king of peace, to deliver us from ourselves and the violence of our hearts and minds. We, we need peace, y'all. It is just ugly out there. It saddens me. I'm so sick of violence and anger from every side and every aisle. We need the prince of peace. Pastor Rick Lanson, who has been here, I believe, almost 30 years at the Summit Church, he told me something years ago that, that was very profound. I was telling Pastor Rick about how I hate wars. And let me tell you why, so you don't think something else. Well, it doesn't matter what you think of me. But I hate wars because I grew up in a communist country where there is no private sector, and every penny you make is for the government to make weapons. From the moment you're born, that is the whole objective. And, and we have songs and chants. There's no private sector. There's only two channels, and they, all, they belong to the government. There's no commercials. Everything is for weapons. And in a communist country, they teach you how to fight and use a gun since you're a little boy. And it's not like they're teaching you to, to shoot a gun to, to, to go hunting or something. It's pretty evil. And I'm telling you something. I fought so many times in my life that I really think that if you were to pick a fight with me today, I'll let, I just let you hit me. 
because I'm sick of violence. I'm sick of it. And, and call me old school and call me legalist if you want, but I don't let my kids play shooting games where they're shooting a bunch of people. And I don't, I don't, I don't let them even play fighting games. They're going to play bass. They're going to play, you know, NBA, whatever, and FIFA and whatever. But I'm sick of violence in this world. And some of you know that I, I love sports cars and race cars and, and perhaps this is why my taste in car has expanded from American muscle cars to Volkswagens and Subarus. <laughs> Only thing I can do is I, I can't warm up to the Prius yet. You know, you know, if you want an electric car, buy a Tesla for yourself. There you go. Put it on your Christmas list. But listen, I was telling some of this to Pastor Rick on how I hate wars because of how violent I just, I just grew up. And he says something to me. He said, Riddell, no one wants to go to war, but remember, we have wars as a last resort, if we must, for the sake of peace. Wow. <laughs> I was looking at that spiritually for the first time. We have wars for the sake of peace. Never seen it that way. Jesus is the king of peace. But that peace he came to offer came at great cost. He went to war for you. He fought real enemies, our wicked hearts that reject him and ignore him, ignore his authority and Satan. Jesus faced enemies you and I don't stand a chance against. And he did it for the sake of our peace. Jesus, Colossians 2 says, canceled the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This Jesus set aside, nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them in open shame, for he is the prince. He did that by conquering over them in heaven. He went to war for you for the sake of your peace. Not only this, listen now, Jesus volunteered to be the casualty of war so that you could be free. Hallelujah. Isaiah says, remember, a few chapters later, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. You will be a fool not to take the, the victory, the bounty of his victory that Jesus offers to you. But only his kingship can deliver you from your pride and your anger and your foolishness. Only his lordship. Either you are prince or he is prince. But he will restore you to wholeness. And he will give you completeness in God. So stop living like you're a capable of king, capable of, capable of king and, and prince. You know what you and I are? This hit me like a ton of bricks years ago. Revelation 3.17 says what you and I are. It says, you say, I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, Blind and naked. 
There you go. And by the way, verse 1 of Revelation 3 says that some of you have a reputation of being alive but are dead. But there is good news in the next verse. It says, awake in the name of Jesus. But that's what we are without God. So no freedom and no peace. Listen, God saved us from ourselves to himself, through himself, by himself, and for himself. He took on flesh that we may take on unity with the God of peace. He wore our sin that we may wear his holiness. What prince does that? He lived our poverty and ruin that we may live in the bounty of his presence and kingdom forever. He became a man that we may become sons and daughters of the living God. He took mortality that we may be immortals in the land where we'll walk with God forever. He took on humanity that we may take on divinity. Praise be to God. So folks, the reason we need a mighty king is because we were made to be led and protected and nurtured and loved and blessed by one, the real one. And the problem with being king for ourselves is that we can't do that because there is only one that's king of kings and lord of lords. And the surprising nature of Jesus, the surprising nature of of his kingship is that he is love and justice and humble and wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. So, brethren, I cannot end this sermon without going back to the beginning of the chapter. Because I know life looks bleak. It would not stay that way forever, but I know it looks bleak right now. Nevertheless, Isaiah 9 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Can somebody hold on to that promise? There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has done. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Boy, we need some joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. For us, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, praise God. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this in your life. Let us bow our heads and let us pray. It's the time to respond to God in prayer. So please agree with me. Marvelous and gracious Father, yours is the power and the kingdom and the glory, O Prince of Peace. Come, take my life and make it yours. For we need shalom. We need restoration. 
We don't just need lack of conflict. We need you. We need wholeness and completeness. It's found in you and you alone. For you are forever the Prince of Peace. In your name we pray. Amen.